Greetings, everyone. This is the Sound of Options show with Richard, the Talk to Me Guy. And Sherry Edwards is improving the portal on a daily basis. Soundhealthportal.com. I attended a webinar she did recently last week. The weeks sort of blur together. And now there's this amazing, I don't know what to call it, pie chart where all the data comes together. And it's just amazing how much information you can get from a vocal profile. And to get an example, a free example of the kind of information that you can get, you can go to soundhealthportal.com, click on services, then click on current campaigns or campaigns, and then you'll see current campaigns. And some that are available for free now, and what that means is that you sign up for a free account. They don't spam you. They don't sell your name. They just need that information to send you the report. And you do two 45-second vocal recordings right on your computer, preferably with a microphone or the little Samsung Go mic works quite well for that, which is available at soundhealthoptions.com. If you look in their, in their store, they have this great little mic called the Samsung Go mic, which is pretty handy to have anyway. And so you do two 45-second recordings, and then you choose your campaign. And some of the campaigns available now are BioDiet, that shows you imbalances in your nutritional or assimilation. Golf swing. I know every week I mention golf swing and it's like, really? Golf swing? But they do a vocal profile and show you where there are imbalances and either it could be diet, it could be a muscle issue, but some several pros have said, really, that made a difference, which I find to be amazing. It's all amazing, but that is really golf swing. And one of my personal favorites, neuroplasticity, looking at brain function, how things fire, how they go, what might not be, what could be. And that's a great report. And stem cells and also post-traumatic stress disorder or TBI. So you can choose any one of those, do your two 45-second recordings, choose any one of those, submit an a, a email for that, It'll walk you through all of this, and you'll get a report within a couple of hours to maybe overnight at the most with just a boatload of information that you can sit down with to your coffee and review and or take to your health professional, and they can be amazed and get all sorts of great information about where your state of health is so that you have a, a point of reference so that if you want to look at something later, you also have a point of reference which is an, an, another thing that's available at the Sound Health Portal is the Nano Voice, which I love so much because it's an easy go in and check something. I use the Nano Voice, and the Nano Voice is free at the portal. I think it's on the right-hand side of the screen, and you just click on it, and you do a recording. And what I do a lot with the, sound, with the uh, Nano Voice is I'll do a vocal print or just a recording, I use those, those terms interchangeably, of 30 seconds. I think it's 40 seconds uh, at the portal. And then I – so I take that. Then I'll add a supplement or eat a food that I want to test, wait about 20 to 30 minutes, and go back and test again. And you'll see differences in the waveform and the report that you get will give you a little bit of information about, oh, this shifted, or you, you'll see in the actual waveform as it gets broken down if something spikes or drops that you can see it has an effect one way or the other. And I use that a lot for allergy testing. It's really fabulous. Just really great. 
soundhealthportal.com. And I know I say this every week, but this is another five gold star conversation we're going to have with Susan Bratton. Really an amazing amount of information about sexual vitality. And that's really why I, I like the title about sexual vitality as the ultimate biomarker of health. Because without health, we don't have sexual vitality. And without sexual vitality, the, the two really are together. We need health. And I think that sexual vitality is a great biomarker of that. Because if you're feeling logy and something's going on with your blood sugar, you're probably not going to feel real sexy. That's just my guess. But we'll get to the expert, Susan Bratton, in just a moment. Susan Bratton is a champion and advocate for all who desire passionate relationships. Considered the dear Abby of sex, Susan's fresh approach and original ideas have helped millions of people of all ages and across the gender spectrum transform sex into passion. Susan is chair emeritus of the Ad Tech Conference. She was both CMO and a member of the board of directors for Anthony Robbins Tech Startup, as well as serving on numerous boards throughout her career. In 2009, Susan was honored as a Silicon Valley Woman of the Year by the Business Journal and as a top 10 internet pioneer by Ad Age magazine. In 2010, was bestowed the Lifetime Industry Achievement Award by DMG World Media. Susan is CEO and co-founder with her husband of Personal Life Media. Through her company, Susan has authored over 30 books and online programs, including Relationship Magic, The Passion Patch, and 30 Romance Tricks That Work Like Magic, as well as her international number one Amazon bestseller, Sexual Soulmates, The Six Essentials for Connected Sex. Millions of couples and singles have been touched by her TV appearances and Better Lover YouTube channel. Through, in, through her Insiders Club newsletter at personallifemedia.com, Susan gives away free of charge countless MP3 audios, videos, articles, and ebooks. Susan believes that shame free, frequent sexual pleasure is every man and woman's birthright. After 26, of mar- 26 years of marriage, I know from experience that deep, passionate intimacy with my partner is priceless. A priority that tops my list of must-haves along good, alongside good health and the love of family and friends. I've made it my mission to aid everyone who wants the kind of lovemaking that improves with age. She and her husband split their time between their home on Mount Tam in Mill Valley, California, and their cozy beach shack in Encinitas, California, with occasional trips to far-off lands to visit their globe-trotting daughter. Susan joins us to talk about sexual vitality as a biomarker of health. Welcome, Susan. Hi. (laughs) How are you today? (laughs) I'm good. I'm good. I know the platform takes a moment to unmute sometimes, so it's like, wait, I'm supposed to talk now? I know. It's it's all magic that it even works. It's all I am very good. I was wondering how long you and I have known each other. It's been a while. It's been, I was trying to figure that out. We connected when I was, you were pre-podcasting casting before they even invented Uh that bad word, before Steve Jobs invented the bad word podcasting, which I do not like. (laughs) Um, And you were in the Silicon Valley before it was the Silicon Valley, really. Yes. 
And you were doing casts that I was listening to going, who is this? And how does she get these people? And because they were really good business interviews. They were business interviews. You were talking to thought leaders in the Silicon Valley. That's right. I had a show. You had a show. Exactly. And you had a course that you sold. This blows my mind because this will date it. This will show us how long ago it was. You had this amazing course that you offered on how to organize your interview using sticky tags. Talk show tips and masterful interviews. Yes, that's how long we've known each other. So if we dust off in the archives, that's how long ago that was. It was so leading edge that you were using sticky notes on, you know, to teach how to organize your thoughts for a show versus something like a computer. It's an amazing. So I don't know when was that ish. Two thousand six. Okay. All right. Well, it's not as that's far enough. Yeah, That's far enough. <laughs> We've come a long way, baby. A long way, as well as you. And how did you go from a Silicon Valley Titan? I mean, you still are a Silicon Valley Titan. It's just a different category. But how did you become a from sex that part. world so, to being a sextivist? I'm trying to I'm trying to combine sex and activist. I haven't quite come up with the right thing yet, but that's what I'm looking for. <laughs> when did you, when did that happen? What was the, was there a tipping point? Yeah, there definitely was. You know, growing up in Silicon Valley, if you will, in in the heyday of the Internet 1.0, my husband and I um, really, we just worked all the time. And our intimacy waned in our marriage. And about a decade into our relationship, into our marriage, we were really questioning whether or not we wanted to stay together because we'd I'd lost the desire for my husband. And we decided that instead of ruining our daughter's life and family life and breaking up our family, and we realized we, we really loved each other. We were best friends, but we were no longer lovers, that we needed to do something about it. So we went to therapists and we worked with therapists, but we also took a lot of sex workshops because we realized that our issue in our marriage was sex, not anything else. And we came to realize that what had happened to our intimacy was just lack of knowledge, that we just didn't know enough about pleasuring skills, bedroom communication, etc. And when we got some of those skills through these workshops that we took, tantra workshops and things like that, and when we did a lot of personal development work, to, which taught us how to be honest with each other, I, I am shocked at how much people, intimate partners who are cleaved for life, hopefully, who don't even tell each other the truth because we're societally conditioned to sugarcoat, withhold, go around, not confront, not deal, not upset, not be true to ourselves, not hurt people's feelings. And so we had everything to lose by not being honest. We said, let's get honest. Like we read Radical Honesty by Brad Blanton and mm-hmm. said, let's just tell the truth. What's your truth? What's my truth? Where are we stuck? And we were stuck in, I was just not satisfied with, sexu- with the sexuality of my relationship. And I'd rather not have sex than to have the sex I was having with my husband because I was unable to achieve co- climax from intercourse. <clears throat> And after a decade of intercourse and not really having any fun doing it, 
to do it anymore. And he, it felt so good to him. He couldn't imagine why I didn't want to do it. And so we learned how to have great sex together. And that just changed everything. And that's why we started a podcast network, which is when you and I met, because I, trans, I, I, I changed from doing a Dishy Nick Silicon Valley interview podcast to launching a podcast network with personal development titles, including all the sexuality information that we were learning. We essentially got the people who were teaching us these things to do podcasts. We taught them how to do podcasts. And they were brilliant people who did an amazing job. And we ended up having this you know, really great podcast network of 40 shows and our sexuality shows were everybody's most popular. And then over the years, we realized, okay, podcasts are very difficult to monetize. We can't stay in business doing this. So we created online programs that people could purchase. Instead of giving away our content for free, we made high quality orgasm skills and bedroom communication skills and online programs that couples could do together in the privacy of their own home because very few people were really going to go to a sex workshop and get naked in front of a bunch of people like that's <laughs> you know that takes a lot of courage so um, that's how we ended up creating personal life media together we fell back in love with each other and wanted to we were both silicon valley entrepreneurs and we said let's solve the let's use tech to solve the problem of people's intimacy waning after months or years of monogamy. How can we do that? And did so, you did you have setting aside sex, although that's so tricky in any relationship, did you have good communication in all other areas? Like could you talk about money if you had money issues? Did you did you have that kind of open communication to start with? I would say we still sugarcoated things. We still weren't just straight up with each other. Yeah. And one of the things that I, I learned was that my husband wants to know the real and 100% unadulterated truth about everything. He doesn't want me to sugarcoat anything. He feels vulnerable if he doesn't know the truth. The truth does not make him feel vulnerable. The lies make him feel vulnerable. Mm. And that was helpful. And I'm to the point now where I, I really can't even lie. I, my, filter, my filters are gone. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I'm just in my pure essence. And it's a beautiful way to live. It's just to be true to who I am and be who I am and say what I need and listen to myself and trust my instincts and live my life the way that I want to live it. And of course, never be mean to anybody. I don't say things that would hurt a person. And there's always a way to say a truth that isn't harmful. So there's, you, you can choose your words and still say your truth. And so that has been a very, coming into my own sexually and coming into my essential truth two things combined have been extremely freeing for me. And then also admitting to my husband that I needed him to really take care of me and create a stable platform for me to flourish as the creative individual that I am. That also 
took, took me up to the next level of my own human potential in this lifetime on, my, on this planet. And so it's just all been, I, I had a renaissance at 45 years old. I'm now 58. And the, the, this last dozen years of my life have been by far the best years of my life from a creative expression, from learning knowledge, from helping people and feeling fulfilled by that. I mean, every single day. I get at least one email or comment from someone in some communication modality that says, thank you for doing what you do. You changed my world by being who you are and teaching the things that you do. And I don't ask for these. They come to me. Now, Mm -hmm. I also get emails that are, who do you think you are? Why do you dress like that? You should be ashamed of yourself. I can tell you've been molested as a child because you, you know, you jiggle your breasts on YouTube videos, you know, shamey, 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 shamey. And I just think to myself, okay, well, that's what I like about myself. That's who I, that's how I want to be self-expressed. And if it's not right for you, scoot along, move along, find someone that's right for you. I'm not your person. I'm not ever going to be everybody's person, but if I'm true to myself and I'm self-expressed as the essential Susan Bratton living and loving her life, then that's okay. Not everybody has to love me. I was recently talking to two young women, and one of them said something and said, oh, I, I, need, to, I need to say a few affirmations to have the strength that you do. And I said, affirmations? You don't need affirmations. Just be who you are. You will be loved for being who you are. When you are who you are, that people can really feel it. And they love that. Don't be afraid to do it. You know, I think that's one of the gifts that we bring is being really who we are and being loved for it. Uh And how do you – I've heard you talk about or read, because I've consumed so much information, I can't remember where things are. They blur together for me. You talk about a, a recipe a recipe approach to intimacy and that there's a difference between men versus women. And I don't mean so much versus as like that kind of thing. Yeah. I just mean we, we express ourselves differently about a, our approach to intimacy. Talk about that recipe, would you please? Yeah. Well, let's see. <laughs> it's such a big subject. You know, for a long time I was afraid to say – Men are like this and women are like this. I was afraid that people would say, everybody's the same and that's, that's, you know, you're just trying to put things on gender. But after 15 years of listening to men and listening to women and hearing what their frustrations are with each other (laughs) and giving them advice and seeing what works, you know, hey, try this with your wife or try this with your husband or this could be the reason why. I realized that good old John Gray, who actually lives here in my town in Mill mm. Valley, California, his men are from Mars, women are from Venus, is absolutely right. That we, that we, are, we are born in either a testosterone-dominant body or an estrogen-dominant body. And that really makes a difference in our approach to life. And then you layer on cultural, societal, familial, mores, and values, and those also color who we are. Religious, if I didn't say that, is another big one. 
So there's all these facets to what a man is and what a woman is, if you will. And then you think about the gender spectrum and everything is a bell curve with the homo sapiens. And so there's this big middle. That's a third of us. We're all kind of in the big middle, except for the people on one side of the curve and the other side of the curve. And so then you have to think about that dimension as well when you think about people. So there are high desire people, there are low desire people, there are people in the middle. Then there are the people who are testosterone dominant versus the people who are estrogen dominant. And how does that all play out in the interrelational and sexual dynamic? And what it really plays out in some of the big swag areas where we are very different are, I'll give you an example of one of them. Women are not turned on to start where men are. And, and everything I'm saying is generality, again, going back to that bell curve. Some men are not that turned on generally. Some men are constantly turned on. You know, but generally, everything I'm saying is just in the bell curve middle here. So there's always the, you know, there's always the other two edges. But men, because they're testosterone dominant, they wake up with desire to make love. And they have that kind of innate desire and, you know, lustful feelings all the time. And women don't start there. They need to be led to their desire. They call that responsive. A woman is responsive to being aroused, but she doesn't start out aroused. And so when a man, a man approaches a woman and he's already turned on, he forgets that she's not and he kind of is way beyond where she is. And so when he's initiating, for example, initiating lovemaking, he's, he's thinking to himself, okay, let's go. <laughs> let's go. And she's way far behind him. So teaching men how to move her toward her pleasure, sedu seducing her with integrity and getting her into a state of arousal because she doesn't start there is one of the fundamental things that makes it. So women say to me all the time, I, w I want to want him, but I don't. I'm not, I just am naturally never like, oh my God, I really want to get, get it on with my boyfriend or my husband. And they feel bad about it. When there is a discrepancy between the amount of desire that a couple has, it's most often, but not always, she wants less than he does because he's ready to go and she's not so ready. And he doesn't necessarily step back into her world and move her toward her pleasure. He's, he just tries to get her where he is and then that doesn't work for her. So she rejects him and then he gets his feelings hurt and he feels rejected when instead of feeling rejected, he should just go, Oh wait, I need to, I need to do some work here. And then he gets mad because he has to do the work because he doesn't understand why he has to. So once a guy kind of understands that and he understands and has the tools to move his partner toward more pleasure and he applies that knowledge, then they start having more and better intimacy. But it, it really confounds guys and women think it's their fault and men think it's women's fault. <laughs> She takes it on as her issue when it's not her issue. It's just how she's wired. And he takes it on as her issue because he looks at like, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you? Why do I always have to like, because I say to women, after you make love, you think to yourself, oh, right, I like this. Gosh, I wish I would do this more. And then the minute you're done, you forget, you forget you like it. You have to get dragged into your seduction again, you know? <laughs> so that's, um, that's like a very singular example of one of the aspects of, 
the difference between the testosterone and the estrogen in us that makes it difficult. So I try to translate those types of things <laughs> yeah. for men and for women. <laughs> and I and I think one of the one of the common arenas because my theme here is we don't have sexual vitality unless we yeah you know, it really is a biomarker for health. If we're healthy. Yeah. We can have sexual vitality because that's another common commonality to me. And I li- just listened to a, a great interview with uh, Je- Jenny, Jenny, I think that's correct, Jenny Gaffigan, Jim Gaffigan's wife, Jim, Ga- who's a stand-up comedian who we mm-hmm. all know if you see him, but you never recognize his name. And Jenny G- Gaffigan had a non-malignant tumor the size of a pe- size of a pear in her brain. Mm-hmm. And she wrote a whole book, a really great book, talking about this same arena to me is about communication because we don't want to talk about sex. And we sure don't want to talk about, you know, honey, I got a pain in my something or other. Pick an area. You know, it's another area where we have to be willing to be, I guess, vulnerable. Is that it? We, You know, men particularly are bad about – well, although Jenny Gaffigan just wrote a book about – Having, you know, until she lost hearing in her ear, which she ignored for a year, and then finally went to somebody and they said, Oh my God, you have a tumor the size of a pear in your brain. Yeah. Um, we all make choices to not communicate because we don't want to bother or be something or weak, or we go back to lizard mind where the weak ones go out and get eaten by the dinosaurs. I'm not sure what that is, but we're not willing to communicate and be vulnerable with each other. And, and sex is very vulnerable, and health is very vulnerable. So, I think this intimacy, you know, this conversation and intimacy. I don't. We don't think of health issues as intimacy, but it's it's possibly more intimate than sex. Am I? Is that right? Am I just making well, that up? I think there. I think sex is more intimate than health. I think people okay. have a harder time talking about sex than they do about general health. But yeah, this is this, so. This is very interesting. In the last fifteen years that I've been becoming the sex expert that I am, I've talked to thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And the first thing I did was I started out teaching pleasuring skills. And then, then I said, oh, well, pleasuring skills aren't going to get people where they need to go. That's good, but they need to have bedroom communication skills. So I started teaching intimacy techniques and bedroom communication skills, how to talk about sex in the bedroom, how to ask for what you want and not feel bad about it, how to feel good about it. And then I realized, oh, there's, there are three legs to this stool. This is a tilty stool. If I'm only teaching pleasuring and communication, the third leg of the stool is sexual health. Because if you think about it, the number one sexual health issue for women is painful sex. It hurts to have sex for a number of reasons. And the number one issue for men is premature ejaculation, and secondarily, erectile dysfunction. And so if you can't talk about it hurting or you don't know how to get it fixed, because this is the interesting thing, I could go through a list of 30 or 40 health, sexual health problems and issues and just boom, 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 boom. There's so many. You would be surprised at how many things affect people at a sexual health level. And when a person is confronted or faced with a sexual health issue, often they think there's no solution. 
they look at it and they think, no, I, this, I can't fix this. There's no, there's no solution for this. Yet there's a solution for every single sexual health problem. But they, it's outside of people's awareness because they end up, at it, especially in sex, feeling closed, um, not being able to look out into the world, being embarrassed, being sh- ashamed, feeling they're letting their partner down, feeling their body betrayed them, and they just shut down instead of looking for a solution, talking to their partner about it. Couples will just stop having sex when one of the partners can no longer function in a way that is not pleasurable, and they won't come together to try to solve the problem. So that's why I put on the Sexual Vitality Summit, which is unfortunately over today as we have this conversation. I'll bring it back sometime. But what I have as a gift for your listeners today is a book that I wrote from interviewing 28 functional medicine doctors, tantra trainers, and sexologists about all that laundry list of conditions and the available solutions to them. And I took all the best, I call it hot to trot, 38 fascinating facts to supercharge your sex drive. That is essentially where you'd go to solve the problems and the interesting things that I learned from all these sexual health experts to give people a chance to understand that there's always a solution, a workaround, a compromise. There's always a way to come back to intimacy if you have been empowered by this information. So that's the third leg of the stool is your sexual wellness. Because like you said, Richard, sexual wellness and health are two sides of the same coin. If your body isn't in good working order, your sex life is not happening. Well, if your leg cramps up, I'm not speaking from personal experience. (laughs) <laughs> if your leg cramps up while you're having sex and suddenly you're like, oh, my God, oh, yeah, and you have a leg cramp, it's probably because you have a mineral imbalance or you have lactic acid built up. I mean it's all it's all the same. It you is. Know, our, our bodies – I'm not sure really – I know we have lots of words that I'm speaking into a microphone in my room. You're speaking into a microphone in your room, and the technology is all amazing. But I, there are times when I feel that we are not that far from the days of Daryl Hannah in the cave. When we were really, you know, the men were good to go out into the world and not get killed by the dinosaurs or the flying things and get food and bring it back to the cave. And that it's still our bodies. We're still, we get very intellectual about all this. And it's all like, oh, and religion and all the mores are talking about sex. But it's the same thing about the body. I, I, I agree with you that sex is harder to talk about than health issues. But if if a man is having erectile dysfunction issues, there could be health that that can be a health marker. It's like having a cramp in your leg. We just think, marker. oh my God, it involves. Oh no, it's my. I'm going to use the word penis. Everybody, take a deep breath. It's okay. And it's a, it's an indicator of something. It, our yes. bodies are indi- our our bodies when we have inflammation it's telling us something when we have a headache when we it's telling us somebody if a woman's vaginal wall is dry it's telling us something it's yes. all information yeah and that's one of the things i loved about the sexual summit that we won't talk about again that there was <laughs> it was a sexual summit but it was i could we could rebrand it and talk about it as health yeah because it was so much of it was about health 
It was about health. all of my favorite things. We're going to jump to this a little later, but we'll get back to microbiome, one of my favorites, and identical hormones. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. So it's, it's really all the same category. It's just the language and the words and what we're pointing at <laughs> and the black bands across our eyes that we're wearing because people are shy. It's all the same. It's really just body parts that are functioning or not. And yeah. that's why I think what you talk about is so important because it really is in the summit, there was a lot of conversation about health. Yeah. If you, you, and it was targeted toward, we'd like to have good sex. We'd like to, I, I, I'm asking you to correct me here. It seems like communication is the foundation of the ability to have good sex. And then you have to be healthy enough, kind of on a good diet, not eating. All right, I'll jump right here to, to broken fat. You use yeah. this great term called broken fats. Would you talk about mm-hmm. broken fats? Because that's so, so important. Yeah. Well, let me let me uh, explain that. And by the way, you're you're doing a fantastic job with this conversation. Thank, Thank you, you so much for being so informed and um, really tying those pieces together. Um, if you think about your genitals, masculine and feminine. When you're, when you're a baby in your mommy's tummy, you, we all started out as female. And about um, between 8 and 16 weeks, we started having these hormonal baths that turned some of us into little boys and kept some of us as little girls. And the little boys, then the vulva actually grew into a penis and scrotum. So everything started out as a vulva. So all of the erectile tissue that's in a penis is also in a vulva. So men and women have the same amount of erectile tissue. He just has an outie and she has an innie. So pleasure and sensation come from the erectile tissue filling up with blood. That's called engorgement or tumescence. These are the words for that erectile function. And women are as tied to erectile function as men, but that's kind of not well known yet in our world. People are starting to understand. And so let's just take a typical 50-year-old couple. If he's beginning to have issues filling his penis with blood or it can get filled but he can't keep the blood in his penis, that's called a venous leak. The blood flows back out. He can't stay hard. Um, or he can't stay hard very long, um, any of those kinds of things, it's likely that his wife is also finding that she has diminished pleasure because they're basically eating the same food, living the same lifestyle, getting the same amount of exercise. Unless one of the partners is extremely healthy and getting high-intensity interval training and doing weightlifting and going for walks and doing cardiovascular events and eating healthy fats instead of broken fats, and the other one is eating French fries and sitting on the couch – you know, then of course you're going to be different. But mostly couples eat the same and exercise about the same. And so when if when your husband is having getting a little bendy, you're getting a little bendy. You just can't see it. So erectile health is as important for women as it is for men because we lose sensation. There's sensation loss is a very big issue for masculine and feminine bodies. And one of the biggest contributing fat there's couple of big contributing factors. The first one is atherosclerosis, which is heart disease, which is plaque in the blood along your vessels and arteries. That plaque 
starts out as fat that collects along the, the arteries and then it calcifies. So you start getting these calcium deposits. That makes the veins brittle. And then the way blood flow works is blood, your, your veins relax the blo- during arousal. The blood flows into your genitals. And then when the blood flows in, if enough blood can get in, it actually presses against the walls and it traps the blood in so that it stays in for erectile function. But as you age, you can get fibrin issues, you get plaque in the blood, you have um, the endothelium, the smooth muscle cells that line the veins that let the blood flow. They get brittle, so they can't relax and let the blood flow in, or they can't lock off. And then you also have trouble, as your hormones decline, starting around 40 years old, your nitric oxide levels also decline. So your nitric oxide production, which is what relaxes the veins and lets the blood flow, it doesn't work as well anymore. So as you hit middle age, you need to be looking at bioidentical hormone replacement. You need to be taking a nitric oxide supplement to supplement that so you get good muscle, I mean, good vein relaxation. Because remember, if it's not flowing to your genitals, it's not flowing to your heart and it's not flowing to your brain. So you're getting diminished heart function, diminished cognitive function. You can't think as well because you literally don't have blood flowing to your brain like you used to when you were young. So a lot of people are thinking about Alzheimer and dementia and they get in the middle age and they can't think as quickly as they used to. A big part of that starts at nitric oxide production, the diminishment of that. So one of the things that you have to do is you have to really watch the kind of fats that you eat. You need to not eat any kind of deep fat fried foods. And you really have to eat pasture-raised meats, sustainably created meats, non-hormonal meats, all of the kind of junky foods that are in all the fast foods, anything processed, anything packaged you want to eat as close to organically farmed, sourced kinds of proteins and you want to eat avocados, nuts, seeds. You want to eat all extra virgin first press olive oil. You want to eat avocado oil, coconut oil. These are all the healthy fats. And your brain is made of cholesterol. And the cholesterol is this waxy substance in your head. And that waxy substance is formed from healthy fats, but not bad fats. When you eat french fries, that broken fat goes right into your cells and it degrades your blood system, your blood vessel system, so that you get all that plaque. So you've got to reverse that by eating healthy fats. I get up every day and I take a tablespoon of, uh, it's more than a tablespoon, it's like a big giant salad spoon, two tablespoons easily of uh, cod liver oil. I also take vitamin E, uh, 700 IUs of mixed tocopherols. I also take a seed oil. I usually take either black black seed oil, nigella sativa, mm-hmm. or a five seed oil. I put ground up flax seeds in my morning smoothie for the omegas three, six, and nines. And um, I also take hyaluronic acid. Hyaluronic acid lubricates the joints, the bones. It makes it holds the water in your cells. So you have to, as we age, we desiccate, we dry out, we shrink up. 
And you need to keep yourself plumped with healthy fats, good fats for your system. And I want to put in a personal grouse here, not about anything you said, uh, about grass-fed meats. There's a, there's a trend in the tricky part of the grass-fed industry where they say they're grass-fed. The, the real clincher is grass-fed, grass-finished. Yeah, grass-finished. Because there is, there is an industry where they do grass-fed, but they finish them off with grains because it fattens them up. Yeah. So you really want to – I just had this conversation yesterday at a restaurant where I said, so can you tell me if this Wagyu beef is – and they were like, oh, no, it's not. Oh, thank you. Um, that's a trick. Yep. When you ask about – when you go out of your way to eat grass-fed meat, ask if it's grass-finished. Because if they if you have a grass-fed cow, great. But if you finish it off with grains, well, I have all sorts of bad words. It's, it's not good. It's full of GMOs. It's awful. I know. It's all full of GMOs. So grass-finished. And also we'll talk about the uh, – sometime we'll talk about the essential fatty acid profile of a combination of hemp and pumpkin seed oil because that's what mm, I take every day. Hemp that's and pumpkin really, seed. That's a really great blend. That's a really mm-hmm. fabulous brand for – Fats. So fats Where are do you get friend. that? Um, well, I get it actually from somebody I've interviewed a number of times, Paul Galon, Herbal Product Development. I'll email you that information because he Great. specifically – and it's raw hemp. It's unprocessed yeah. raw hemp oil. And it's really quite delicious. I put it uh, – you can put it on anything. You don't cook with it. You use it as a finish oil. So yeah. you could squirt it on you know, a salad or anything, and it's, it's really good. Well, really I love that. Um, because I've I've read often that pumpkin seeds are excellent for prostate support. They're great for prostate support because of all that zinc and other micronutrients that I suspect are in there that we don't even know yet, since I'm a mm-hmm. big fan of micronutrients. So Me it's a too. great, great blend. Um, so we've got good fats. We've got good communication. I'm going to jump to, uh, I know, one of our favorite people, and this is not even anything we've talked about before, but Dr. Jonathan Wright, oh, a, a folk legend, like a folk best. legend. He needs a song. He really does need a song. He needs he a Nobel truly, Prize. Yes, is that. And I've interviewed him a bunch of times, and he is a huge brainiac and advocate of bioidentical hormones. Can you talk about bioidentical hormones and, and the benefits and why that's such a why we really want those? Yes. So Jonathan, Dr. Jonathan V. Wright is the modern-day inventor of bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. He runs a place in Washington called Tahoma Clinic, and he is a Harvard-educated doctor who is a believer in natural health. He's one of the biggest natural health um, proponents in the medical community, and about um, 1000 BC, um, he was he read a lot of um, ancient. He, he's always been very interested in the ancient ways of natural health, because Homo sapien has been on this planet thousands and thousands of years, and we've taken care of ourselves through natural means. And he's very much anti-pharmaceutical. He wants to keep as close to nature and botanicals and things that come from Earth as possible. He doesn't like the fact that pharmaceutical companies are there to maximize profits, not to maximize health. 
And one of the things that he told me about was in about 1000 BC, an emperor of China and his empress created two latrines, uh, one for young men and one for young women. And the young men and young women would go into their separate latrine and they would urinate and the urine would run down this long trough and it would dry in the sun. The urine would dry in the sun. And then the eunuchs would go and they would roll resin in the urine. And then the emperor and empress would ingest. He would ingest the urine of young men, the powdered, dried up urine of young men. And the empress would do it of the young women. And that was how they tried to create immortality or longevity was through essentially eating the hormones and lots of other things that come out of our, our bodies that were that were able to replace and replenish the hormones of the aging emperor and empress. And that was, he read about that and he said, why aren't we doing that now? How can we create what are essentially bioidentical hormones? So something that is the exact molecule that exists in our bodies. How can we take that instead of something that is a patented medicine, a patented hormone that a company, you can't, you can't, make money if you don't hold a patent on a product. And to patent a hormone, the pharmaceutical companies had to alter the, the, the molecular chemistry of that particular hormone so they could patent it. Once you alter the molecular chemistry of the hormone, it's no longer exactly as your body needs it. So the, the easiest example I can give you is Premarin, which our mothers were raised on, which is uh, from dried mare urine. It's marin is mare urine, shortened for mare urine. And it was the same concept the emperor had, only it came from horses. And then they could patent it. And then women were taking horse estrogen instead of human estrogen. And it's not bioidentical. So it's not as healthy as taking just the straight up molecules and they can get the bioidentical molecules from believe it or not wild yams soy and other places the estrone estradiol and estrogen can come from the plant world so what jonathan did was he essentially took the original compounds the bioidentical hormonal compounds and mixed them into a carrier cream or put them in subcutaneously into your system or sublingually under your tongue so that you could have matching hormones instead of hormones that don't match what he calls alien hormones. They're an alien to the human body. They're not the match of our own hormones. So if you're going to do hormone replacement, the, the, the wise advice is to go into what is called bioidentical rather than um, alien hormones. Now, some of the pharmaceutical companies have gotten smart and they're offering straight up bioidentical and what they've ended up patenting is the delivery system. So you can get a bioidentical hormone patch from your healthcare provider if you have health insurance. You can ask for a bioidentical hormone patch that um, the delivery system is a, um, you know, a skin patch. Then it goes into your skin and goes into your body and you've got your hormone replacement. So you don't necessarily have to go to a compounding pharmacy. You can use a traditional pharmacy and get a pharmaceutical grade bioidentical delivery system now, which is great. And testosterone has not been 
patented. So uh, that's a bioidentical molecule. It's just estrogen you have to make sure and be very careful. So women need to replace estrogen, testosterone, and progesterone, those three in balance. And then men have to replace testosterone. Um, But you always need to get a, not just a blood test, you need to get something called a four-point dried urine test where you pee in a bucket over a 24-hour period. And as you pee, you take little test strips each every four hours or six hours or something like that. And um, you send those in so that instead of seeing just what your free testosterone is, you see what you've methylated, what, what is you might be having a lot of free testosterone that your body isn't actually absorbing or free estrogen that your body is not exact is actually absorbing. And so the dried urine test, also called a Dutch test, DU stands for dried urine. The Dutch test or four point dried urine with the blood test gives you a, gives your doctor a really good look at how much hormone you're producing and how much hormone you're able to utilize. You can't just look at a blood test, a one-time, moment-in-time, free, estrogen-free testosterone. That's not going to give you the profile you, that you need to really understand what your hormone levels are. And I want to put in a plug for herbs as an herbalist. Yeah. Um, that one of the things that I think one of the I, like one of the reasons that I like the pumpkin and the hemp oil is because it's a whole food. And I think that they're like, and not unlike the bioidentical hormones from yams is I suspect there are micronutrients in there that we don't necessarily know about yet. Yeah, definitely. And so I'm always a fan of things that are whole plant formulas, whether we're talking cannabis or we're talking about yams or we're talking about hormones. I really like things that are whole because anytime any anything is synthetic, which is the yeah. direction that the pharmaceutical industry goes, that means that there's things that are left out. Not only is it synthetic, that's kind of creepy, really? Um, then you have a whole, there's just all sorts of micronutrients because our next conversation is going to be about microbiome. And we're beginning, we finally begin to figure out from microbiome studies that really, again, we want the same thing. We don't want just acidophilus. We want a full spectrum of nutrients that we don't necessarily recognize them all yet. So why not have a whole plant formula? So I think that's in, and really we could do a whole show about Jonathan Wright. Just you and I could do I a know. whole show about Jonathan Wright. He is I know. a folk hero. He does need a song. I really want somebody to write him a song. It's yeah, amazing. I know. He really is an amazing man. It's funny too, because I had to work very, very hard to get him on my summit. Yes. Um, <laughs> he doesn't do a lot of interviews. He's not easy to, nailed down and the minute we were done he was like let's do this again right away (laughs) yeah yeah he has so much to say he's really a gem i subscribe to his green medicine newsletter and it's excellent yes yes yeah i really i've interviewed him a number of times and i'm always like why can't we do this more you're so filled with wonderful information yeah and and there's another doctor that i'm going to throw into this mix Slightly different approach. I've interviewed William Davis a number of times. Yep. And in his early days of Wheat Belly. And now he's also moving, talking about, I think it's a film, Undoctored. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting that these two leading edge doctors are really, 
are really going toward self-care. Not that they yeah. want to take it out of the hands of the doctors, but they're saying, really, you need to be engaged in your own health care. And that's why I'm a, a big fan of Sherry's work, because it's all about us being able to have information that we can learn about ourselves, monitor ourselves, <clears throat> use this vocal print technology to have information that we can then take to our practitioners and say, what do you think about this, rather than sort of the bright light shiny table syndrome where you go to a doctor and they say do this and you go yes sir and that's it we really need to be involved in our own health care or self-care i think that's so important and you you are an advocate of that as well from everybody you've interviewed and from your own work that it's so important that we be engaged in our own health care i think that's that's such a message that i I really like people to have that like once you once you start to get empowered and start re realizing that you can get information like I believe that you can do the four point dried urine test at home isn't that something you can find yeah. sources online and do that and have testing yeah. yourself yeah yep you See sure that? can that's amazing yeah um and there are a lot of people who they will just re they will just uh, like there's a woman I really like who is an expert at reading the test. So she'll, or, she'll order the test for you, and then she'll get the data back, she'll walk you through it all, and give you her advice about what to do. And her name is Maria Claps, C-L-A-P-S. And her whole business is just ordering tests and reading them for people who want to take their hormone, you know, their hormone management into their own hands. Because I can't tell you how many women, it's, it's, it's interesting that I don't hear this from men, but I don't think as many men do hormone replacement. And, and, and actually, I don't even like to call it hormone replacement. What it really is, is hormone top off. You're topping up your hormones. So as you age, when you start to hit 40, your hormones go into a fast slide right down. And without your hormones, without testosterone as a man, you basically turn into a little old lady. You lose your courage. You lose your huevos. You just start to take things. I remember I was talking to some. I was talking to a guy, and I said, um, "When was the last time you had your hormones tested?" And he said, "Because he was acting like a grandma." And uh, I said, "When was the last time you had your hormones tested?" And he said, "Oh, my doctor says I don't need to do hormone replacement. He says it's fine. He says you know none of that stuff's worth anything." And uh, I said, well, why don't you get a different doctor? And he said, oh, no, I, I don't want to. And I could, I could tell that what had happened was he'd lost the fight in himself. He'd lost his go for it because he'd waited so long and his doctor was negligent in taking care of him. His doctor was an old guy, too. And so he wasn't keeping up with current medical thinking. And so here his patient was sliding into granny land and literally lost the fight to even bother going out and doing anything about it because he was so low in testosterone. And I thought, oh, boy, you can really see how that just is a snowball effect. So, uh, you know, uh, if you want to do it, a lot of times you have to change doctors because a lot of women tell me, my doctor is like, ah, just deal with it. Yeah, it's just old age. Yeah, you know, just, you, it's just what happens. That was like the, when my husband and I went to the first therapist when we had marital issues. And 
we told her that we were no longer intimate and we needed some help with it. And she said, hey, that's just what happens. It's just part of it. You know, just, you just got to deal with it. And we walked out of that appointment. That was our first one. My husband said, we're never going back to her. She is not the person for us. That's how doctors can be, too. That's why Bill wrote, Dr. William Davis wrote his new book, Undoctored. And there you have it. And I'm, and yep. I'm going to jump back to Jonathan Wright for a moment to talk about his great book. People are always surprised. Uh, great book, uh, Stomach Acid is Good for You, because yeah. he's an, he is a proponent with the knowledge to say after about 40, we need to supplement hydrochloric acid in our yeah. diet. It's yeah. a supplement, like hormones are a supplement. It's not a replacement. I really get cranky at the term replacement. Wait a minute. It's not a replacement. It's a supplement. That's all it is. It's a supplement to our well-being, to our sexual vitality, to our health vitality. It's not – I don't know why it has such bad moray to it. It's, it's a curious thing that we do when we talk about that. Like, oh, you're getting hormone replacement therapy. Ooh. What? It's a supplement. We get older. What do you think they, it is? I don't know. Um yeah, I don't know. I could spin off on a conspiracy theory about what is it? pharmaceutical what do you think industry. Well, well, it could be that maybe the pharmaceutical industry, until they had a way to patent it and control it, didn't weren't advocating for it. There wasn't as big of a. Well, I don't know. I've known about Jonathan Wright too long to know. <laughs> That's part of my problem, is mm -hmm. I've known about Jonathan Wright since the seventies. So I, I'm aware of his thinking from the get go. So I'm not sure. When I had the, an herb store and I'd talk to him about issues, I'd talk about hormone replacement or hormone supplementation back then. So I don't – maybe it just wasn't as available as it is now because now it's pretty much available. And Ray Pete's great work on progesterone, his amazing amounts of research on progesterone. So I don't I'm know him. Sure Ray Pete, P-E-T-E? Yeah, Ray P-E-T-E. Okay. Oh, thank you for that. He was a doctor. Actually, he was a doctor in Sebastopol for decades, and then I'm not sure where he is now. But he he did all the foundational research on progesterone and has a great liquid supplement progesterone. Yeah, that's what I do. Sublingual at night helps you sleep yeah. and it balances the estrogen for women. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I I can't believe this, but we're here. We're at that point where there there may have to be a part two. Um, <laughs> you and I are very synergistic. <laughs> We're very aligned, aren't we? <laughs> and we can go so many different directions all at the same time. That's the part, one of my favorite parts. Um, you know, there's one thing I wanted to end with that I feel like please. we promised and we didn't quite deliver. Okay. <clears throat> because really the, the theme of this is sexual vitality is a biomarker of health. And I just want to end, if, if it's okay with you, with the six biomarkers that track your sexual potency. Please. Okay, so the first one is cardiovascular, blood sugar, stress levels, your hormone, what, what would I want to call that, your hormone profile, amounts, where you are, your, your data, uh, bone health and lean body mass. I kind of look at those musculoskeletal uh -huh. fat profile, and then genetic markers. So for cardiovascular, understanding your Getting an advanced lipid panel is really important. Having a coronary calcium score test. That's a CT scan that's very inexpensive, like 99 bucks, that lets you know 
how you're, how you're doing. Do you have atherosclerosis? And if so, how badly? Um, I think that's really good. Then metabolic testing, your blood sugar resistance, right? So your HOMA-IR numbers and your average blood hemoglobin, the AL-C, those, those are very important. For stress, the cortisol levels, as well as your adrenal and melatonin, which are hormones. Your melatonin level, that's a hormone, because that goes back to your circadian rhythms and the sleep that you're getting, the sleep stress kind of access, access, you know, I think that's important. And then, of course, your hormones. We talked about the Dutch test and the blood test and um, bone health, getting a DEXA scan. You know, you can get a DEXA scan for $99. That tells you how, what your bone densities are, and it also tells you what your you know, body mass index is and what, you know, what percentage of your lean muscle and your bone weight and your, how much of you is fat. Uh, so you can keep your fat under, you know, like about 20 for men and about 25 for women, 25% for women, keeping that fat ratio in good balance. Um, and then genetics, getting your genetic tests to look at things like your COMTs or your MTHRFRs, your APOE genes. You know, the APOE is the Alzheimer gene and the MTHRFR, that's your, whether you can methylate folic acid as a folic or folate, methylfolate, there's folic acid in everything. And people who have an MTHRFR genetic allele, they can't, they can't metabolize that and it gets stuck in there and it can make you sick. Uh, so, and that's all in processed foods. And then COMT, that can tell you why you're anxious. I mean, there's just so many now genetic SNP pieces of information that you can find that give you some clues as to how to manage your lifestyle so that you don't succumb to diseases based on some of these genetic alleles. I think those are, those are very, very important conversations to have with your doctor or to just go it undoctored, do it yourself and figure them out. Go to your doctor and have them order them for you and carry and track that data yourself. So that's where we're going now. We got to do it. And I think it's a great thing. I started when I was talking about Sherry's work, the same thing with lab work. If you're in your thirties, get it now. Yeah. Get because it it's going to be great to have, I wish I had been thinking this way in my thirties about having lab tests. I was anti-doctor. I'm Still not so pro doctor. Um, not because I don't like them, but because of the, it's a very pharma thing. However, to have it as a reference point, because then when you're in your 50s or 60s, or careening in on your 70s for some of us, uh, yeah. that it's really good to have that as a reference point so you can see the trend that your bodies have. Because all of us are different. We're, we don't yeah. fit into, you know, it's all a matrix that's all making it all come together and work. I think it's amazing yeah. that we get up every day and put our foot down on the floor. I mean, Me our too. bodies are <laughs> unbelievably complicated. They are. So it's really stunning. Well, that was really wonderful, Susan. We could it, definitely go on you, for Richard. several hours. Yeah, I know. You and I are birds of a feather, aren't we? <laughs> yep. <pretty much. laughs> tweet, tweet. <laughs> Thank you so much. And I will put that link in the show notes for the Hot to Trot 38 Fascinating Facts to supercharge your sex drive. Great. Which will lead to health. Everything we're talking about here is health, all the category. All right. Well, thank you so much again, and everybody have a great rest of the week. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.